I truly believe there is no bad or good things. There is no happy or sad. There just, there is whatever state you choose to be in, in that moment in response. And by doing that gratitude, it, it, your body, like you said, the default is to remember the negative, to see the negative, the gratitude has switched that. So then also when things that everybody would say is bad occur to me, my body is so used to being in that state of gratitude that I may not see that as that. And someone has to be like, well, Ashley, don't you feel like that was awful? What happened to you? Why, why do you seem so happy? And I'm like, was it awful? I mean, X, Y, and Z occurred. I'm able to immediately not even go there and need to be brought out, you know, but I'm immediately in just this, this state of it is, it just is. Welcome to today's episode of Unleash Thyself. I am Constantine Moron, your host. And with me today, I have Ashley Abramson. Ashley is an inner child guide self-love mentor, and social worker gone rogue. She has also been called the ego whisperer. Prepare yourself for an unforgettable conversation that's sure to leave a lasting impression. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself, the podcast that inspires and empowers you to unleash your full potential. I am thrilled to welcome Ashley Abramson, to the show. Ashley, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your unleashed moment, the moment you knew you're on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Ashley, the floor is yours. Oh, Constantine, I'm super excited to be here and to share a little bit about my journey and how I got to where I am today. Yeah, I'm excited. So let's let's start at the beginning then. Welcome, welcome. And I know I, I read a bit of your profile and the audience knows a bit about you from the introduction, but I know you struggled early in life, like most of us did, with not really knowing what our inner child was even or who it was. Can you tell us a bit about how like some of the challenges you faced get to the point where you realized you needed to do something else, something different? Yeah. So I think it, we have to go back a little bit and kind of get some context to this. But growing up, I was a child that was very outgoing and loud and had lots of bright ideas and constantly asked questions. But really, those around me in society continuously showed me to that my light was too bright. And I know it wasn't intentional by any means, but it was a lot for people to handle. And it still is today, to be honest with you. So as I grew up, I really started to lock that girl up and become the version that society was requesting of me. And a big piece of that also came from my father. My father had a very bright light. He was very childlike in his adult ages, just had this zest and love for life that was so contagious. But as I grew up, I started to hear the adults talk about, oh, he's mentally ill. He's too childlike, all these different things. And he eventually was diagnosed with bipolar and some other mental illnesses and was placed on some really heavy medications and hospitalized frequently. And ultimately he took his life when I was 18 years old. And really watching him and how society treated him just continued to reiterate to me, like, you can't be you, Ashley. You don't want to follow in your dad's footsteps. 
You want to instead be what what society's telling you you need to be, which essentially is someone who doesn't ask questions, who respects their elders. And when I say respects your elders, I'm not saying you shouldn't be respectful to people. But to me, that statement was used as a way of don't ask, right? Yeah, like something's it, shutting you up, right? Like, actually, shut up. I'm right because I'm older. That's it. Exactly. So I saw that more as like a dismissive statement. Never question anyone that's a, a, older than you. Um, never challenge them. Anything like that. So that's what I did. And it became a very lonely place. I actually attempted to take my own life six months before my father was successful. And I was almost successful. And I know almost only counts in hand shoes or horse, horseshoes and hand grenades is what they say. But in fact, I was read my last rites and the doctors couldn't explain by medicine how I lived. They said it was a miracle. And that's really when I decided that my life was not meant for me. I did not deserve to be here. So the only reason why I must have lived was because I needed to be here for someone else. So that's really when I started to build my life based on things externally around me and really seeking the happiness and external items and dedicating my life to raising my son I found at the time who I adopted and being with his father. And and that's how I lived for a long time. And then at 32 years old, my entire life was ripped out from under me. I was getting a divorce and very quickly realized that all of my happiness was external because it was losing it all, right? It was losing the house. I was losing the car. I was losing the, you know, picture perfect family and quickly self-destructed and eventually was kind of faced with my demons to the point that I had to make a choice. And I had been a child protection worker for over a decade and really had worked with other people on their trauma and, you know, healing their inner child to become the best parent they could be. And also, you know, setting up safety plans and and just safe spaces for children to not continue to endure trauma. And I realized like, crap, I hadn't, I hadn't worked on my own inner child. I had done many, many years of therapy. I I joke today that I could have a PhD in psychotherapy because I've taken so much therapy. I've partook in so much, but it never really addressed the underlying issues. And that was the societal constructs I was living by and not living true to me. And, And that's really when my journey started of rebonding with my inner child, healing her, and then as that occurred, I was able to understand life in such a different aspect and truly hear my inner voice and begin a relationship again with my highest self because I I had healed her. Well, and I'm actively healing her, right? But healed to a point that it was very clear what came next. So that was a long story that essentially... No, that-, that was an amazing and inspiring story, Ashley. And I have so many questions and so many, so many things go through my mind, but to hear you having to go through that, right? Attempting to take your own life and then being given a second chance to essentially, okay, go live your life. And then your father doing that. When you had to go to this life-changing event at 32, when you got a divorce, you lost everything that you thought was making you happy and you realized you had to work on yourself. How did you start working on yourself? Because I know you had all the experience from helping others. But what was one of like, you know, some of the first few steps you took in order to 
begin that healing journey? Because it must have been very, very tough. Yeah. So at first I, I tried to go back to therapy, right? I had already done years and years of therapy and it, it didn't work. For me at that moment, that was not what I needed. And I got in trouble at work and essentially was told like, you have to do what is called reflect. It was called reflective supervision at the time. And now she has coined the term reflective coaching, but essentially working in a human services field, it was an opportunity for the human working in the human field to be treated as a human. It really was a strength-based approach. And this woman held a light for me that no one had ever held before. I could I could have told her anything and she, she wouldn't have been phased. She brought no judgment. It was this this just place of pure love. She just had this, this hope and love for me that I didn't have for myself, but it allowed me to have this safe space to explore and to bring what I had kept in the dark, all the shame and the guilt and the sadness and the hurt to the light and to speak it out loud and to let it be seen and let it be released without her judging me. And therefore, it, it, it gave me permission to not judge myself and not create more shame and guilt. So that was really the start of my journey and a book that helped me even be open to what she was going to provide for me was The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown. It's an audible book because it's recorded at a conference, I believe, but it really helped me to understand that what I was going through was pretty dang normal, right? Like I wasn't alone in this game and to be vulnerable is power. And growing up, I was not taught that by any means. You know, we don't cry. We pull our, my, my grandma would say we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. And by no means that these people mean this in a way of condescending or mean, but that's just the reality of how they were raised and how society wants us to operate in it's to not feel <laughs> right. To be these AI robots that we're not exactly. um, back in those days. Right. There were tougher times. And I mean, I'm not saying right now times are not tough, but there were even tougher times. Like you said, you know, they were raised by parents that grew up in probably very poor conditions and whatnot. And you had to show strength in order to make it in the world, right? Because there were different times. And we, like you said, we can't blame those from those generations because they only thought us what they knew, right? What they knew best. And they didn't have the tools like we do, for example, or access to the people that we do to be able to do the work on themselves to realize, wait a second, that's not how I should be raising my child or my grandchild. Right. Yeah. And I think too, my father was very vulnerable, right? He just shared things off the cusp. He told you how he felt in the moment. And again, that was told, that was not okay. Right. He was seen as mentally ill and, and all of the other things. So I just had all these different areas of needing to be covered in armor. In reality, I just needed to have armor. And, and the men in my life had consistently left me, right? So I didn't feel worthy of love. But the, the, the thing I found in my journey was the love comes from within. Yes. I can only be loved or love someone else as much as I can love myself. 
That's, so, that's an amazing quote right there. So I was going to continuously seek the love externally, never receiving it, right? Because you can't receive something you can't have for yourself. It's it's like physically impossible. So when parents, this is one thing that is interesting. A lot of parents will say, I love my children more than I love myself. Yeah, I hear but it that, often. <laughs> that's not possible. It literally is not possible. You can only give someone else as much love as you're willing to give yourself. And that's why you know that I talk about self-love isn't manicures and pedicures and massages. It's really getting to know yourself and getting to that deep level of love. And that can only be done by acknowledging all the pieces of you and forgiving them and releasing them and no longer carrying around the shame and guilt. Then you can then you can love your child at the level you want to because you love yourself that high. So let me ask you this then. So you began your journey to 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 get self-love. I'm assuming it didn't just happen overnight. You had to do quite a bit of work. When did you realize you were doing the right things and you know what? You're on the right path. Not necessarily seeing the light yet, but seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and be like, you know what? I know I'm going to get that. I just need to push harder. I need to dig deeper. I need to peel more layers of the onion and find myself. Yeah. So I love that question because this journey is not linear by any means, right? So there has been so many of those times, Constantine. And then there's been just as many times where it's like, what the F am I doing? Is this even working? Right? Because it's like 10 steps forward, 12 steps back. 20, you know, it's it's this dance of back and forth. Yeah, it's like a ladder, right? You go up and then sometimes you come down to go up again. And I can I can imagine it would be the same. Yeah, but I would say the moment I was in a relationship shortly after kind of I was placed on this performance improvement plan at work and I woke up, I, w- I was continuing to grow right within that relationship and continuing to move forward. I got really big back into personal development and journaling, you know, doing all those things, practicing gratitude. And I woke up one morning and realized that like you, everything you were working for, this relationship does not represent Ashley. And I had like a, a come to Jesus with myself of either you stay here and you have you have peaked, right? You have hit your peak in this relationship because you can't grow anymore because of just the dynamics of the relationship or you leave or you leave and you go figure it out. And that was the one moment that I was like, holy crap, because I made the choice to leave, right? I was like, this was about me. This was about nobody else but me, Constantine. And that was the first time I was like, we're on a path. We are on a path and we're getting stronger and we're learning to love ourselves because we're actually making choices that have no, no reason other than your own worth. It wasn't like, oh, I need to leave because it's impacting this person this way or that person that way. This was like the one time in my life that was solely for me and people were hurt in the process, right? Saddened. When a relationship ends, you're saddened. But I fully made this decision for me. Yeah. So it sounds like that was the first time you made such a decision, right? When you made the tough choice and you're like, you know what? Ashley go- becomes first now. It, it, Ashley is the priority. Not everyone else's feelings. Yeah. Because like yeah. I told, like I had said, when I attempted to take my own life and lived, 
at that point I was like, I'm, I'm only here for everyone else. So when my journey started, when any other journey in my life had happened, it was based on, well, my son needs me. Well, my work needs me, you know, all of these things. But this was one decision that literally the only person that was impacted was me as far as making that decision in a positive manner. Makes sense. When did you realize what self-care truly means for you and for those around you? I love the quotes you use. I'm not talking about wine Wednesdays or the pedicures and the manicures you talked about. But when did you when did you have that aha moment and say, you know what? Self-care is more than just a superficial materialistic stuff. My divorce showed me that because when my divorce occurred, I thought I was the happiest healthiest physically, mentally, and emotionally I'd ever been. I had really dug into personal development. I had started meditating. I was exercising regularly. I was eating healthy. And those things are great. That is mindset work, right? That is what I call the icing on the cake because my divorce showed me that none of that stuff was withstandable, right? It did not stand the test of time. When life truly fell apart, like a major life event happened, that stuff could not hold me up alone. And I realized that, yes, those things were great, but I still didn't know who I was. And true self-love, I realized, was going into the darkest caves that were within me and discovering what was hiding and lurking in there and was actually operating my life instead of me. Yes. I can relate with that 100%. Until last year, for me, I didn't even think of self-discovery as being something that's even, you know, I mean, I knew it was there, but I didn't know how important it actually was to look within you, to truly see who you are and who you want to be, not just who you are, like who you want to be deep down from your heart and then bring it out. And in the process, of course, bring out that inner child and work with your shadow inner child and your son inner child or the light and the dark side, right? Like work with both of them and see how they can be healed so then you can bring the best version of yourself forward. Of course, you said you, we, this journey never ends, right? It's something that you always work on. But how long did it take you to get to that point where you saw light at the end of the tunnel? Are we talking months, years? Years. Right? Yes, I mean, yeah. I, th I think, well, I first self-destructed, but I guess once I actually stepped in and was like, okay, I'm going to do this work, it was very quickly. Um, and I believe the, the reason for that is when I was a teenager, I got exposed to Ram Dass and I okay. consumed everything of his. But in that time, I didn't have the ability to fully understand it or integrate it or see how it could fit into my life. And I'm a firm believer that let's say you and I have a conversation today, Constantine, and I share something very profound with you, but currently your conscious state is not prepared to receive that. It, it, it twists it through your ego and you change it into something else. Well, your highest self holds on to that knowledge until you are consciously ready to accept it. And then it comes in like a download. So I had all these years of like personal development and, you know, Buddhism and, and, and Lao and all these different self-discovery tools that I didn't ever know how to use or how they fit into my life. And it was like this just gigantic download of holy crap. This That's such is a beautiful what, way to put. 
this is where all this stuff is supposed to be used. So it was like a consistent stream of new understanding and new knowledge and new understanding and new knowledge. And, you know, you, uh, I love the onion layer and, and how you use that as well. And it was just like peeling and peeling and peeling. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many layers to this onion. But it felt like I constantly had the tools already. Like it was like I had this secret tool belt that I just had to whip around to the front and realize, oh my gosh, I can, I knew how to use this hammer the whole time. And, and I, and I started to build my house. I started to build the solid foundation of rock instead of the, the foundation I had built of sand for so many years. So I like what I'm hearing that two things, actually one, the fact that this knowledge that we acquired that we don't necessarily get to use right away is actually mostly relevant for our future self, right? Like we're acquiring things, you know, let's say we listen to a podcast like this. We'll talk for an hour, actually. And someone may come in and listen and they may only take 10 minutes of wisdom out of it or five minutes or one minute. But a lot of the other ideas, like you said, they may get implanted as seeds. They may not germinate next week or next month, but they will get to blossom eventually into something beautiful when you are ready to receive those messages or use those tools. So I really like that a lot, the way you, the way you explain the analogies you use, because to me, that makes sense. And I can relate with it because all our life we go learning and learning and learning, but it doesn't always necessarily apply right away. Even in school, if I look back, I have a mathematics degree, right? And I learned all those things, but I don't always use them right away. Sometimes it took months or years to say, oh, I can use that concept to now make my life easier in this class or in this job. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you're able to see it from a different perspective too, because you are different. So even, you know, all those downloads came at that time today, I could see one of those tools in a completely different light. And that's the beauty of it, right? Is that that tool can be reshined. It's like that. Have you ever heard that statement of you have an ax and you get it a new blade and then you get it a new handle? Is it still the same ax? Because you've replaced all the parts on it. You know, it's the same thing. It's like your tools, you're constantly upgrading them and stuff. And it's almost like, are they even the same tool? Because they look so different. But it's the same concept. So it's not only that you're upgrading the same tools, but it sounds like you're also upgrading the the one thing the tools are going to work on, which is you. Mm -hmm. So you're doing, it's kind of like both of them get leveled up, upgraded, and Great question. Are they the same or not? Maybe they finally get in resonance, right? You get yourself upgraded enough to a level where now this tool can actually work. Before, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I had a Phillips screwdriver and, you know, we had a square head versus a triangular head or whatever, right? So like all of a sudden I got myself to a level where this fits and it makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. I think probably a vast majority of people walking on this earth are um, personal development encyclopedias. Like people are consuming personal development and self-help at a rate like unlike any other. And I was that too. Like I'd be listening to two audible books while I'm reading five books. And, you know, it was just like information overload. And I think right now people just need to hear step back. You need time to integrate, right? Like taking in this information constantly, though I said it was able to be used later, if I wouldn't have allowed space, right, where I wasn't consuming 30 other things, 
the integration wouldn't have been able to come because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have had the space. So if you yeah, find yeah. yourself just constantly consuming, it's you're not giving yourself time to integrate. You you're just you can say it, but do you know how to actually use it and how does it, it fit into your life? Yeah, it's almost like any like I would go back to any any type of sport, right? I can watch as much soccer or football or baseball on TV. And if I want to be really good, I have to actually do it, right? If I, I just have to go practice, go play. And same with this, I realized myself, just like you, the hard way, you know, that just consuming content, it doesn't matter if it's personal growth, professional growth, self-discovery, whichever content you want, unless you put in the work yourself, nothing will happen. Yeah, that's that, that's profound because I'm turning 40 this year. And for me to be like, wow, I wish I, you know, knew that earlier, but it's like you were saying it as well. It's like, we go through life, we learn these lessons. We're here today and we continue growing as people, learning and growing and allowing us space to put this into practice so we can actually grow as people and then release the true version of ourselves. So how would you say then this relates to your idea of intentional living, right? Because we're talking about, you know, well, A, what does it mean to you? And how do you implement it yourself? Because almost everything we talked about right now, the last few minutes was about intentionally putting things into, into practice. Right. You, you took the knowledge. Now let's intentionally work on this. So anyway, what's intentional living for you? So intentional living is really about having a deeper understanding of you and why you're choosing to do certain things. And then when you understand that, you can then choose what your intention is. But also that understanding is, a, I, I use the term flashlight a lot, is a flashlight into seeing more areas within you that are still needing forgiveness and understanding. So let's say, Constantine, you say to me, hey, I want to go to this event because of X, Y, and Z. I will ask you to go even deeper to truly understand that intention because if it's coming from a place of fear or the ego, it will not end well for you, for whoever else. But if it's coming from a place of love, your highest self, then it will. So really, when I talk about intentional living, it's knowing what your intentions are and where you are coming from. In My goal is every moment. I want to constantly be coming from a state of love. And the only way to do that is to understand my intentions as frequently as possible so that I can choose love, right? But also understand why am I sliding into the ego and fear in this moment? What is that thing within that onion layer that still hasn't been forgiven and peeled back? Okay, so to, I, I want to ask you kind of like a follow-up question to make sure I understand. So the example you gave, let's say with the, let's say the concept of the event. If I'm going to this event because I don't want to upset a friend, there will be an example of doing it out of fear, right? Because I don't want to lose a friendship. I don't want to get someone mad with me. But if I go to an event because I truly love the music or whatever the, the, the topic is, then I'm doing it for myself. And that's what we're talking about here, right? Truly understanding which one is it? And now, if it's the one that's in fear, what do we do then? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do we then say, okay, you know what? Maybe that's not in alignment with who we are or who we want. And now we need to find a way to deal with that first. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about intentional living is 
Constantine, you now know your reason why you're going, and then you get to choose, right? I could choose right now, Constantine, that I want to choose the ego. I want to choose fear. That is your choice, and there is outcomes based on that, right? Or you could say, hey, no, I want to choose love, but I also want to talk to my therapist or my coach or whatever and, and get a better understanding of what this onion layer is and why I felt like I had to go so that I didn't upset my friend. So that thought came to my mind here because you could flip that and say, instead of saying I'm doing it out of fear because I don't want to upset my friend, I could say I'm doing it out of love for my friend because I know how much this means to them. So now I'm going to go to the event with them and try to enjoy it as they do because I know how much they love it. So, But, but that, everything. But that would be a different intention. And, and I would be... To be honest with you, I would have you go deeper to ensure that, in fact, it truly was just out of the love of your heart. And I recently did that with a client. And we found that, no, actually, it was like the surface level was love. But truly, it was because in in the past, when she was a child, she was frequently left out of events with other friends. And she didn't want that to happen again. So it broke down to a level of fear. And it often will especially if you have to even question yourself, right? Oftentimes when we're on the fence about something, I would venture to believe you are coming from a place of fear, but the ego is tricky enough that it's trying to make you believe you're coming from a place of love. That's why you can't feel like you're fully in love. Yes, I really like how you put that because it makes sense because I was going to say the ego is going to make you think, oh, you're doing it out of love, so let's just do it. To again, try to protect you, right? And I know that, you know, a lot of people talk about ego. I like to also equate it to my mind versus my heart. And I see it for me, it's like my mind wants to do things that protect me based on how my childhood was, you know, the lessons are like in your case, right? My, my light wasn't allowed to shine, right? You know, I was a child raised in communist Romania, right? Before moving to Canada. So there were certain ways I had to behave in order to not necessarily be pun- not be punished, but to fit in society. So, you know, those fears got built up, those shields, like you said, got built up. And now my ego, my mind is trying to protect me from, you know, relieving those scenarios. So that makes sense to me a lot. Now, so in this example you gave with your client where you were able to help her get to the bottom of it, what comes next? Because I would imagine it's a big aha moment for the person going through this. Yeah. But are they left, like, wh- like, what do you see happen next? Because I can see two different scenarios here. She either accepts it or she doesn't. And then obviously the outcomes are very different. Yeah. So it's really, again, it it puts us in that place of, of almost power, right? Because now we understand why we're operating the way we are. And like I said earlier, then you get the power of choice. Am I going to choose to continue to make decisions because I don't feel like I fit in based on an event that happened in the past? Or am I going to bring that event to the light, acknowledge it, forgive it at the level of the mind, meaning forgiving it. So I need to share with that. So forgiving at the level of the mind, I believe we're dreaming. So let's say last night, Constantine, I dreamt that you ran over my dog. This morning, I may wake up and be a little like, oh, Constantine, but I'll be, but I'll immediately bring awareness to it and be like, oh, 
I dreamt that Constantine ran over my dog. And within a second or a split second, all of that anger and shame and guilt is gone because I, I realized it didn't really happen. Well, if we are in fact dreaming, this is an illusion, then none of this is actually happening either. So when I say forgive at the level of the mind, that is the level I'm talking about, about honoring it, bringing it to the light and acknowledging that it never really happened. It was all a dream because, and it's different than say the ego level, right? The ego level is I forgive you even though you happen. That's not clearing anything out. That's just saying, I acknowledge all the shame and guilt and hurt that's within me. We're just Mm going to push it down further. That's what ego level forgiveness is. So that client has that ability to do any of them. And I always tell all of my clients, like, this is all a choice. Like literally everything we do in life is a choice. You choose to eat, you choose to wear clothes, you choose to pay taxes. You can choose to not do any of that and there will be a different outcome. There is no such thing as consequence. It is all outcomes, right? Some may not feel as favorable as others, but they are all outcomes that you are choosing to experience based on are you aligning from a place of fear or a place of love? That's so well said. Absolutely. I I definitely agree with that. And I can see now even more so after you explain it the way you did. And how do you bring intentional living then into your day-to-day life? Practicing as much as you have so far and coming so far along, it might be easier for you than let's say someone that's just starting on the journey. But do you still struggle at times with intentional living? Like, do you still catch yourself and be like, what am I doing? Yeah. Or some, I'll be honest, (laughs) some days... I know I'm coming from the ego and I'll literally tell my boyfriend I'm siding with the ego right now. I'm staying in a state of fear. Like I, because I've became so intentional, it's almost become second nature. Right. But it still doesn't mean I always choose to move to a state of love right away. And that the beauty of that is, so let's say right now I'm choosing to stay in a state of fear and not forgive the guy in front of me for cutting me off, right? Mm -hmm. Because he almost caused a car accident. Though I'm choosing to stay with ego right now, when I get home in an hour and I sit there and realize, oh crap, I stayed in, in the state of the ego. In that moment, I can choose to forgive at the level of the mind and realign with love. So I, I, that kind of straight off from your question, but yeah, it does get difficult. And, you know, I'm grateful that I have my own mentor, right? Like I'm a firm believer. You always need people in your life, whether you pay them or you don't pay them that are going to actually call you on your shit and hold you accountable and, and want you to grow, right? A lot of people don't really want you to grow. You may not realize that, but change is very, very scary, especially in a relationship where one person isn't the one doing the work to change, right? But we're all doing this dance. Like even you and I now, Constantine, we have a dance because we have a relationship. We're doing this podcast together. We're going to stay in touch about certain things. So if all of a sudden you start sending me nasty messages, then the dance changes, right? And either 
either I change with it, meaning I start responding in the same manner and sending you nasty messages, or I choose not to do those dance moves and, and usually the dance stops. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's well said. It sounds like you are going through life. You're going to make mistakes, right? Everyone does. It's the idea of coming back and saying, you know what? It's okay. Loving yourself, right? It's coming back to the self-love piece. Not being hard on yourself for, you know, in your example, for being mad at the person that cut you off and then holding that ego or using the, the ego side for as long as you did, right? It's just accepting it and saying, you know what? It happens. Let's learn from it. Let's move on. Come from a place of love. I really like that that approach because, and I, I saw it from my own life. You cannot, you, you're you're never going to be perfect. Mistakes will happen, like you said. Outcomes will come out of it, but one of the outcomes ideally should be that you learn from whatever mistake happened, or you you did. You know, as big of a mistake that it was. You like to talk a lot about how you honor and conquer limiting beliefs, and. You obviously had to conquer quite a few of those. And you also have a story of why you carried the microphone with you for for a full month, if I'm not mistaken. Can you tell us a bit more about that? And first, let's start with the honor and conquer the limited beliefs, and then we'll lead into the story. Yeah. So uh, this is kind of funny because uh, honoring and conquering limiting beliefs, one of the biggest ways I've been able to do that is to realize there is no such thing as a limiting belief. Because every belief is limiting, right? So the second you say that my, the way I think about money is a limiting belief, the way I think about my romantic relationships is a limiting belief, you have immediately placed a negative connotation on it and are already coming from a place of fear. And when you are already coming from a place of fear, it is really hard. Well, it's impossible to then also come from a place of love because fear and love cannot coexist. So you are expecting me to work through a belief, immediately calling it limiting. So you're immediately placing the whole situation in a state of fear. And then you want me to move through it with love. You can't because the way in which your mind is thinking about it is fear, fear-based hundred percent, right? So there, in my book, there's no such thing as limiting beliefs. There is only beliefs, right? If I believe that this is a glass, that means I am limiting myself from believing that it is a can. Fair enough, yeah. Right? If I believe I'm worthy of $15 million, that though it sounds great, right? And most people would be like, well, that's not a limiting belief. Well, I'm still limiting myself from believing I'm worth $100 million aren't I? Right. So in my world, no belief is limiting because you're immediately, you're setting yourself up from a state of fear, a state of lack, like that just fear, negativity, emotion. So then the the second piece you wanted to know about the limiting beliefs and then the microphone. Yeah. Because I believe that's how you tied the story before. And I would love to hear more about that and have our audience hear about That beautiful story. Yeah. So, you know, I'm constantly peeling back the layers of the onion, trying to figure out why certain things feel uncomfortable for me based out of, I I know it's fear, right? So I'm immediately like, what is the fear? Well, I have a message to share. And I know that, in fact, in order to be able to share the message, I have to be able to speak on a microphone. 
And every time I go to share something and a microphone is in my hand, I immediately freeze up and I get shaky. So I kept peeling back the onion layers, onion layers, and still this response was coming forward. Even though I had already unpacked, I knew it was due to worthiness. And as a child being told, you know, be quiet, you're too loud, all of that. So I did what I did do best. And I lean into fear with love. I was like, all right, well, we are going to become with one with the microphone and just fully lean into that fear with love and conquer it. Because truly love conquers fear if you lean into the fear with it. And that's what I did. I, ca- I literally carried a microphone around for an entire month to the grocery store, to the bathroom, at the public bathroom, like everywhere. And it was a whole ordeal. I tend to go to coffee shops and work out of them. And everybody, if if I didn't have it in my hand, they're like, where's your microphone, Ashley? They would grab the microphone and be like, today on blah, you know, it was just a whole ordeal. But the cool thing is I had a speaking engagement right at the end of that month. And I did amazing. Do I still Sometimes if a microphone comes up, but it's not, it's, it it takes a couple minutes to lean into it. Right. Versus I would have in the past, I would have just froze up and not been able to even get any of my message out. Right. And, and I just continue to lean in with love. That's an, such an inspiring story because you can't relate it to anything else in life, right? That you, you're fearful, just leaning with love. And when you mean leaning with love, like in this example, what I'm still trying to wrap my head around. What do you actually mean by that? So by not allowing fear to conquer, you're just putting yourself out there and not judging yourself for the reactions you have or how you behave in front of it. Or what do you mean by leaning in with love? Yeah, I think it's a compile of uh, everything. So I literally felt immense love for myself and almost the microphone in the process. I know it sounds odd, but loving something that I was so fearful of, right? Because done all the work and digging and it wasn't about sharing my message. Like I'm on podcasts all the time. If we're in a room and they ask for someone's opinion, I'm always like, I got one, you know, but the microphone, it was the actual physical entity of the microphone. So literally, it was love on so many different levels. Yeah. Does that, does that help you yeah, understand? It does. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. A hundred percent. So that, that touches on a subject that we, we talked about briefly before, the idea of being vulnerable, right? Because you having to care that with you, which you in a vulnerable state, right? And you had to become vulnerable to also self-reflect and... I'm wondering what's your take on the power of vulnerability? We talked briefly about it, but I would like to understand more because that's something that's new to me, new as the last couple of years, and I'm truly seeing the power of it in my own life. But I would love to hear your take on it and how you've seen, let's say, your clients or your friends, family, lean into that and see the true power of it. Yeah, I mean, I think vulnerability is the most or the least talked about superpower we contain. And it makes sense because if you look at how all of the systems are, we're 
They're set up to control, right? No matter where you live, there's some sort of system that controls you. In your house, your parents control you. You know, there's always control. And the easiest way to keep people in control is keep them in a state of fear and lack of awareness. Well, if you don't practice vulnerability, what you are doing is allowing all of the shame and guilt to just be pushed further back in the darkness. But what happens, a lot of people think when they, when they push off that shame and guilt that they're actually like releasing it in a way, but in fact, it's controlling you even more and you're even less aware because you pushed it so far out that you have no clue how it's impacting you. So the vulnerability piece is not just getting vulnerable with other people, right? Not just like sitting down and sharing with someone else. But I think the hardest piece of vulnerability for me was getting vulnerable with myself, aka getting honest with how I, how, what I thought about myself, what I thought about others, what I, just all of those thoughts that they, you know, those immediate assumptions or reactions that pop in your head. And a lot of times you like push them out. You're like, oh my gosh, why would I think that? That's awful. The, the reality is that's, that's what's in there. And the only way to move through that and, and heal what's causing that is, is to be honest with yourself, which means to get vulnerable. Mm. That's definitely a good way to look at it, right? Because it's, it's not just being vulnerable with others and allowing your true self to come out. It's also doing it with yourself. That's so well said. And I haven't actually thought about it the second way, even though I'm doing that, being vulnerable to myself by seeing both sides of the same coin, essentially. Mm -hmm. Well, and really, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that there's only one mind here. And I think we both agree that we're all at least connected at some aspect, right? Absolutely. Uh, So that means by me sharing something with you, Constantine, my subconscious knows that I'm sharing it with myself because it sees the connection the two of you have, right? So to me, there truly is only one vulnerability and it's with yourself when you really break it down, right? But I didn't want to blow everyone's minds in the moment, (laughs) but (laughs) I guess here we are. So essentially, that is the only only person you're getting vulnerable with is yourself. That's what your subconscious knows and your highest self knows that as well. But you know, that goes into another long rabbit hole of society and and what this illusion is. But yeah. I like that because you're right. If I, I, I actually agree with that because once you become truly vulnerable with yourself, your true self comes out to others and it looks vulnerable because that's what it is. You, you allowed yourself to become that. Mm-hmm. to 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 work on yourself. I really like that. And how are you seeing this part of your work with your clients? Because I would imagine it's tough for most people to become vulnerable with themselves to that level. Do you see it takes people quite a bit of time of peeling back the layers of the onion or do you see people picking it up pretty quickly? So I see people picking it up very quickly when they have chose so they're my clients so essentially they have decided that i'm ready for this so they already come in with this hunger for transformation and growth right and then not to brag or whatever it may be but the work i've done with myself really allows for this sacred safe space because 
I show up so vulnerable, so open, so honest, just really free of judgment, like the the actual essence I give off, people will find themselves telling me things they can't believe they ever said. But it's because the atmosphere in the the space I hold is that. And I know people, that's a huge buzz lately too, is holding space, right? Yes. And what I think holding space truly is, is you cleaning your own vessel out so that you can be a vessel for the collective and allow other people to utilize you as the mirror that you are. So this like, oh, come to my retreat. I'll hold space. Oh, I hold space. It's overused. Really what it is, is you've done your own work enough that you show up so authentic that it gives other people permission to be authentic as well and vulnerable. Exactly. And that's actually such a beautiful message. I, I don't even know another word to use for it because, and that's one of the things we're doing right now with this podcast, right? Being vulnerable and showing people, you know what, this is, you know, who Ashley is. And we've seen your tough challenges to get here, your journey. And that should give people, or some people at least, permission, like you said, to be like, you know what, it's okay to share my story. Mm-hmm. It's okay to to bring out my true self. And it's okay to look inwards and try to work with my inner child and, and heal in a way that maybe I haven't been given permission in the past. 100%. And to even, like, if we go back again when you asked about the vulnerability piece, it's about being vulnerable with yourself. So even listening to this podcast and just seeing this in yourself, like, oh my gosh, that's where I'm at. Like right there, that moment, you are being vulnerable with you because you are actually acknowledging the reality, right? You are actually listening to yourself for once instead of chasing the shiny objects that the ego and fear have placed in front of you to keep you as far away from your highest self as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally agree with that. Now, just to switch this up a bit, I, I would like to ask you two questions that are kind of tied together. And these questions have to do with time travel. So first, we're going to go back in time, right? We'll go back 10 years. You get to go back in time and you get to talk to your younger self. And you can give yourself one piece of advice before you have to return. What's one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Mm. You know... Interesting enough, this question used to be frequently asked, and I've recently got to a point that I I used to say like, oh, I would tell her this or that, you know, some like elaborate story. But now I see my journey as so intricate that if, if even a tiny little piece was adjusted, I wouldn't be where I was today. So I almost feel like Constantine, if I, if I went back, I would sit on the park bench and not even interact with her. I don't know if that's a bad answer, but I feel, I feel like that's my answer. answer. I mean, that, that's your answer, right? That's like you said. I mean, that's, that's as good as any, right? Because I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. And you're absolutely right because we're at this journey because, or at this point in time because of the choices we made. If either you or I have made different choices in life, even a small one, likely we wouldn't be talking today. Exactly. So, I mean, the second part of this question, I'm curious to see if the answer is the same, and it could be. Now, let's travel to the future, right? You have a chance to take your current self, 10 years in the future, you see all the amazing, beautiful things that Ashley has achieved, and you get to sit down with older Ashley for 15 minutes 
mentorship session, and you can bring back one piece of insight or advice to your present self. Oh, I can bring back. So I have talked about this question lately, and I would just want to know, am I on the right track? But you know what I think her response would be? There is no wrong track. Like if we're like, if I'm being honest with myself, like, but just some sort of acknowledgement, which knowing me even 10 years from now or 20 years from now would be like, I'm not giving that to you. Like it's about trust and trusting yourself. So reality is I don't think she would have gave me any advice. Good. I I actually love the way you answered both of these. It's like, it took me for a, for a look because I've never heard someone answer these questions like this. And it's, it's different and I can totally see it, you know, be a hundred percent true because again, there's no such thing as right or wrong. Right. It's just different. Now, of course, before, before we end this beautiful conversation, are, is there anything else you'd like to, to bring up to our audience or to talk about that maybe we haven't touched on the day you think that people would, you know, would benefit from? So some simple things that I did that aren't like mind blowing, just starting to practice gratitude every day. If you are just listening to this and you know, you really haven't done any sort of work on yourself. I will tell you that every day writing down four things you're grateful for will have a drastic change on your thought system and and it's worth it. And even if you're just grateful for your pillow or your bed, trust me, there was days that like, I just threw some generic ones out there because I wasn't feeling grateful for anything, but just do it. And and it provides discipline. I'm a firm believer that I utilize this meat suit of an illusion to, to learn discipline for my mind so that I can choose love over fear. Right. So that's also, it's, it's doing so many beautiful things and it takes you two seconds. I would just highly recommend you do it and then start to become aware right? Like I, I have a feeling after you listen to this podcast of Constantine and I, you're, I've started your reticular activating system and you're going to start being aware of things you weren't aware of before. And awareness is the first step. And if all you did was become aware, I promise you, you will take the next step because you can only be aware for so long without doing something about it. Right? Yeah. It's almost like opening the curtains and allowing the sun in. Once you've done that, you can't just close them up. You want to let the light in. Exactly. Because you'll start to feel it. Because even just the awareness alone, let's say earlier when we were talking, Constantine, and and we chose to be with the ego, right? Even the times I'm like, I'm staying with the ego. I'm staying in a place of fear. That's where I'm at. I still feel like I have power. And not in the negative, like power over you, but that I'm in control. I'm making this choice to go with the ego and fear. Not that life is happening to me, not that someone's forcing me to feel a certain way, but I am fully choosing to be angry right now or to be sad right now or to be, you know, in a fearful state. So just that awareness alone will will empower you to know that you're choosing it. Right. Like I'm choosing this. And it it also empowers you to know that in the moment you can choose different. Right. Someone flip, someone cuts you off in traffic and you immediately flip them off. You can in that moment, make a decision not to wail on your horn and ride their ass. Right. You can switch it to love. Absolutely. And I, to be honest, I mean, that's something I catch myself doing sometimes, right? Like many people get angry when, 
someone drives too slow, they cut you off, like you said, right? And more and more lately, and I want to say lately in you know, the last couple of years, I've realized, okay, let's take a step back. And maybe the initial reaction is in the ego, but then to your point, it goes back to love. And it's like, you know what? Maybe they're in a rush. Maybe, you know, someone is sick in the car. You, do, you have no idea what may be going on in their life. Or they might just be a jerk and then, you know, whatever. And that's fine too, because you have no idea. And I really like that message. Absolutely. And now talking about the gratitude piece, because that's something that I've also started doing more recently. Is this something that you're still doing today? Like, I know you started a while, a while back. Are you still doing it every day? Is it still a practice? Yeah. That so I don't necessarily write it down every day. It's literally become second nature. So that was a cool turning point in my life too, Constantine. So after I started choosing for Ashley and left that relationship, I was practicing gratitude every day. And one morning I woke up and the second my eyes opened, I immediately, my mind started thinking about what it was grateful for. And I was like, holy crap, this actually worked. Like, and, and so now it's just, it's part of me. It's who I am. I'm constantly seeking the things throughout my day. The first thought in the morning, the first thought before I go to bed is that of gratitude. So no, I'll be honest. I don't write it down anymore, but I, I feel like the purpose of writing it down was to get me to the state I am today. Exactly. To make it a, essentially a habit, right? To, yep. to get yourself to do it. Uh, subconsciously, essentially, which is what you're doing right now. And I really like that because scientifically speaking, we know that our, our brains are wired to remember the negative elements of everything in life because it's trying to protect us. And that makes sense because, of course, when our brain was formed thousands, millions of years ago, we would need to be protected from all the dangers of the world. But bringing this exercise in where you remind yourself of all the goods, like let's say it's raining outside, well, you can still be grateful for things inside or things you, you love or anything negative can then allow you to also think about the positives in your life. And maybe that negative aspect in your life right now doesn't seem as bad. And at least that's what I've seen from my own experience with being grateful is that all of a sudden, the bad things, right, they may seem a bit less. And, you know, there are some bad things that no matter how grateful you are for the good stuff may not reduce in size. And I understand that. But there's a lot of other stuff that all of a sudden, by being grateful, you can be at more peace with yourself and more self-love. Well, and what I've realized, Constantine, in my journey, and that's why, you know, I tell my clients, or when I work with my clients, I'm walking them to their own answers within. I'm walking them to the peace and happiness that lies within because I truly believe there is no bad or good things. There is no happy or sad. There just, there is whatever state you choose to be in, in that moment in response. And by doing that gratitude, it, it, your body, like you said, the default is to remember the negative, to see the negative, the gratitude has switched that. So then also when things that everybody would say is bad occur to me, my body is so used to being in that state of gratitude that I may not see that as that. And someone has to be like, well, Ashley, don't you feel like that was awful? What happened to you? Why, why do you seem so happy? And I'm like, was it awful? I mean, X, Y, and Z occurred. I'm able to immediately not even go there and need to be brought out, you know, but I'm immediately in just this, this state of it is, it just is. You're absolutely right. Because it's all relative in the end, right? Like you said. 
mm-hmm. was something that I find negative, you may find positive and vice versa. Which Absolutely. means we can switch it, right? If if nothing is, you know, one minute something's bad and, and another minute it's good, that means then it doesn't exist. And truly it's up to the person, what is it, viewing it or interpreting it to decide if it's good or bad. Therefore, you can literally can change everything, right? So that's where this awareness comes in. And then I tell you, you have the power. Then it's up to you to choose First of all, what your actions are, what your reactions are, all of the above, but you are literally the decision maker of what is good and bad in your life. You are the decision maker of what causes you pain and what causes you joy. So I know it's kind of like a a crappy thing sometimes to face that like if something hurts in your life, it was because like you chose that, but it also gives you that power moving forward to realize, hey, uh, me getting in a car wreck today and, and getting, you know, the front of my bumper crashed in, it, it's just a car, right? Versus in the past, maybe you're like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to pay for this? Blah, blah. You know, that whole rabbit hole. But you chose either of those. And which one is actually going to be more helpful in the long run? Exactly. That's so well said. I and yeah, I can relate to that 100% and I can agree with you. As well, it's beautiful. Now, <clears throat> I know we've been talking for about an hour, and I and I thank you for your time. I learned so much, and you've challenged my own thought process, which is so amazing, because that's what I like to do with the audience and with my guests, but with myself as well. Getting in a, pers- a different perspective, right? When I have my blinders on, or I only consider one option is amazing, because now those seeds are being planted in my head, in the audience's head. And all of a sudden, we can start growing and we can start watering the seeds that we want to, to bring up to light. Now, if someone wants to learn more about you or talk to you even, where can they find you? What are some of the best ways to, to get a hold of you, Ashley? Yeah, so the best place would be my Patreon channel. So it's Big Miracle Energy, BME. It's a safe space that is judgment-free for everyone to just get curious and ask questions and figure out what we're really doing here and to support one another walking each other home. My favorite quote by Ram Das is, we're all just walking each other home. And I live every day like that, knowing that, you know, you, Constantine, have helped me on my journey home. I've helped you, even if it doesn't feel like help, like, I have now impacted you. You have impacted me. We have impacted the listeners. Like literally we're walking each other home. So check me out on my Patreon or Instagram, Ash underscore Abramson. And like Constantine, I love to be challenged. That's that's how I got to where I am today was by challenging people. So I constantly invite it and and request to be challenged or just a, a, a wonderful, respectful conversation because I'm a firm believer the teacher becomes the learner through teaching and the learner becomes the teacher through learning. So I love that reciprocal relationship and I honor it. And that's how I live my life. Well, what an amazing way to end the podcast. Those those two quotes and setting it up. Perfect, Ashley. Well, thank you so much again. And until next time. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. To find out more amazing content and episodes, please visit unleashthyself.com or you can find us on social media.